Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast episode 200. I am so delighted that y'all have hung on with me through 200 episodes now. It's kind of incredible when you really wrap your head around just how many shows we've created, how many career conundrums we've tackled, interview guests we've had on, and all throughout you, the listeners, have been our co-creators for this show. Kirby, our producer, and I were just reminiscing of how many of you, or just taking stock really, of how many of you in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook come in every single day from this podcast. And Ellie, our creative director, and I were looking at the survey results from um, our planner surveys for among those of you who purchased a Life Tracker planner this year. And we're kind of amazed by the vast majority of you heard about the planner through this podcast. This show is so central to everything I do at Bossed Up. I am really, truly honored that you've spent your most precious resource, your time listening with me and our guests in your earbuds, tackling career conundrums, celebrating your boss moves. You are the reason we do this show and I'm truly honored. So today, in honor of our 200th episode, I want to do a quick giveaway I'll be giving out a copy of my book, Bossed Up, A Grown Woman's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together, along with a few other special Bossed Up goodies that'll just have to remain a surprise to one lucky listener who shares their favorite episode on social media. So tag us this week at Bossed Up Org or at Emily Aries on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever works best for you, LinkedIn, whatever, and tag us to tell us which of the past 200 episodes were the most memorable, impactful, or helpful to you in your career. Share a link to that episode online so other folks can hear it as well and really see the impact it's had on you in your life. And if you tag us before next Tuesday's episode, you will be automatically entered to win a copy of my book and some other bust up goodies that'll just have to remain a mystery. (laughs) I... Can't wait to see you check in. I'm always amazed at those of you who write in via email or message me directly on social media telling me about the impact this show has had on your life. And I have to tell you, the feeling is mutual. I have been honored to interview so many incredible people, talk with so many incredible listeners like you, and just am reminded every time I have the honor of meeting one of you in real life at events or at conferences or at boot camp, it's just, we feel like a very special bond. And I feel like y'all know me. So thanks for being my pod pal. And here's to 200 more, shall we? (laughs) All right, let's get to it. Today, I am so delighted to be sitting down with personal branding expert and really reputational management expert, Lita Citrone. And today we're going to tackle some questions related to 
managing your personal brand on the job search. So if you're on the job hunt right now or searching for your dream job is a top priority for you this year, this episode will help you think critically about how to align your personal brand to be most persuasive in finding the right job opportunities for you. I also wanted to make sure you saw the launch of our brand new job search accelerator called Hired dropped just the other week. And enrollment is currently open for a limited time. Enrollment closes on Sunday, February 16, and the program officially kicks off the next day. It's a three-month intensive group coaching program that I will be leading myself. You will be paired with just four or five like-minded peers who are also on the job hunt and in a similar position, facing similar challenges or navigating a similar stage and phase in their careers. And together, week by week over the course of three months, you'll be coached through weekly video lessons, small assignments to help you make your case as persuasively as possible, and weekly group coaching calls with yours truly and your cohort so we can keep your motivation high and sustain your drive and really keep your bar high so that you are going for the right jobs for you, being as persuasive as possible every step of the way and getting personalized feedback every single week. And you also have the option to opt for monthly one-on-one strategy calls with yours truly. And I'm so excited to start this program to really specifically meet the needs of the job seekers among us. We won't be hosting it again until the fall. So if you are at all interested in making your job search a priority this year, do not delay. Enroll today at bossedup.org slash get hired. All right, let's jump into today's conversation with Lita Citrone, who's actually based here in Denver, although she and I are on a plane every other week. So we have actually never hung out in our hometown. But the reason she's on the road so often is because she brings such value to her clients and the organizations and conferences where she speaks. Lita is an international branding and reputation management expert designing the identities of global executives and business leaders. She brings more than 20 years of experience creating and implementing standout strategies to her work, uncovering and communicating the values that operate at the core of every individual, which is exactly what we're going to dive into today. Lita Citrone, welcome to the Boss Up Podcast. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. So give us a little background. How did you get into this industry, this field of personal branding? It's actually the backwards way. I got into personal branding by working in corporate branding. So I spent 20 years actually helping build up some of the biggest brands, biggest companies. And at the same time, I was always working with their senior leadership to position them in alignment with the brand. And when everything crashed in 2008, I became an accidental entrepreneur (laughs) who had never wanted to be a business owner. But the idea of doing more of what I had done wasn't interesting. I thought there might be an opportunity to work with individuals instead of working with the company brand. Mm. And because the market was where it was, the timing could not have been more perfect. Everybody was running around looking for jobs or desperately trying to keep their jobs in 2008. And personal branding was exactly the solution to the biggest problem. 
Yeah. Tell me why that matters. What impact does it make to really focus on establishing and and communicating your brand? Well, your brand really is your reputation, right? Your brand is how you project what you stand for, what you value, and what you want people to perceive you for. Uh, A brand is an experience. A brand says, this is what I want you to feel about me, how I want you to receive me, and what benefits you can expect to get from me. So whether it's a car, a law firm, or an individual, That's what the brand does. The marketing is where we promote ourselves and Mm -hmm. come up with coupons and things like that in in product sales, because that's how we tell the audience what to do. But brand is where we tell them what to feel. And what we know about people, even hiring people, is they act on logic, right? I need to hire an executive, but we buy on emotion. Wow, this person gets us. This person feels like us. This person would be a blast to work with. Yeah. And so if we miss that part and we're just selling on skills and expertise and credentials, we're missing the fact that human beings act and buy on emotion. That's a really interesting point. I feel like some folks in my audience in particular who are very hardworking, achieving women might sort of chafe at that a bit because shouldn't our achievements speak for themselves is what I hear some of them saying. You know what I mean? Like, look at all this hard work in my past performance. Why don't people see my future potential in my past performance? Tell us more about how your personal brand can evoke that feeling that helps bridge the gap between look at my resume versus here's what I can do for you. Well, and I think the look at the resume piece, there's still a legitimacy to having credentials, to having the tools. But today, what we know is that there are a lot of people with very similar tools and credentials to what you're bringing. I mean, it's a numbers thing. You're not as special on paper as as you maybe used to be. But what makes you special, what makes you important and relevant, is that something extra? Is that way that you get them to feel a certain way. And and we're in such competitive markets, whether we're looking for a job or we're in a job, that just simply doing the work and keeping your head down and not making noise, those tend to be my clients that are getting passed up for promotions, who are missing out on opportunities and not getting the resources they want to be able to really grow their careers. So it's not about making noise, but it is about letting people know what you stand for, what you can bring that's different Mm. and special and valuable and then being rewarded for that. That doesn't sound bad to most of the people I talk to. It is squishy though. It's almost, it reminds me of executive presence, which is such a, a hard thing to wrap your hands around. How do you begin working with someone who you feel like has no charisma is the right word, but like has no brand that they're really focused on. Like, how do you begin establishing one when you feel like you've just been coloring inside the lines and keeping your head down and doing great work and and you want to do something beyond that? What are the first couple of steps that you start to establish a personal brand? Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that we're not talking about celebrity brand. Mm. Celebrity brand, which is where personal branding sometimes gets a bad Uh name, means everybody has to look sexy and vibrant. And and that's where it gets confusing. Interestingly, a lot of my clients are those people who 
They're nuclear physicists, they're accountants, they're healthcare professionals, IT Mm. professionals who are absolutely brilliant and amazing at what they do. They may not have all the packaging pieces that they feel they need in order to compete. And that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is their ability to go into a conversation and say, this is what I can do and how I can deliver value and be able to do that confidently and succinctly so that the audience they're speaking to understands how they're different from the three other, five other people sitting there that say the same thing. So executive presence, I mean, yes, it's important if you're in a high visibility position. Mm. It just is. We see that in politics. We see that in Fortune 100 companies. But it doesn't mean we all have to look the same. What I start with is really helping somebody kind of peel back the layers and get into kind of who they are. My first couple sessions with a coaching client, they tell me it feels like therapy. (laughs) (laughs) And I apologize because I'm not a therapist. Um, But it is really about what motivates you, what drives you, what makes you smile, who inspires you, really uncovering some of that. And what I watch is their physiology changes, their energy level changes. There's some goodness under there that they maybe have tamped down over the years. That if they brought a little bit of that forward and started introducing that a little bit in conversation might make them a little bit more interesting. Mm. And it's all within them. It's not putting anything on top of them. It's all within them. I like what you're saying around we don't all have to be the same, but I do wonder in a world in which, especially in corporate America, leadership has looked a certain kind of way for so long, particularly very male and very pale. I feel like there's privilege wrapped up in being able to express who you are so authentically versus so many folks, especially folks living on the margins or who are people of color or women of color, they come to work and they say, listen, I can't let my personal brand fly here because I might not be respected because it's different than what my managers and supervisors are familiar with. What do you think of that? Like, I hear what you're saying in that everyone's unique and that's great, but in a world that sometimes rewards similarity because of just unconscious bias, how do folks navigate not wearing a mask to work every day, but code switching in a world that doesn't always accept everyone for who they are? It's a good question. And and I would say that things are, from, from the lens mm. that I'm looking through with the clients, I think things are getting better. I mean, we see companies embracing body art and piercing and alternative lifestyles, alternative work styles, but we're not there yet. Of course not. We're not there yet, but they're getting there. And so I think there is going to be over the next five, 10, 15 years, more opportunity for yeah. that. But it's always a balance and it's always a choice. And what I always tell people, whether I'm speaking to an audience or I'm coaching someone, is it's all about making choice. So if you choose to dress a certain way because that will help you progress in a certain way, then you're making a choice. You're not settling. You're not feeling like somebody's holding holding you to something that you don't feel comfortable with. It's always about choice. It's choice with relationship. It's choice in how you present yourself, what comes out of your mouth, what you hit enter on in a post or, or a tweet. Everything is choice. And there are always times where we have to choose something that may not feel a hundred percent like we're expressing ourselves, but it's appropriate. And the end game 
is what we want, right? So I'll give you an example. I have a client who is extraordinarily passionate about his topic. And it, it's a male, but he's he's very anti in his industry. He is the outsider. And when he walks into a room, people get upset. People <laughs> bristle. And he wasn't making progress, but he's so passionate. And his topic is exactly what his community needs. His presentation and style was turning everybody off. And so we had to kind of look at the end state and how can he get there if he just modified the way he presented the information, maybe built some external relationships, maybe, Mm -hmm. do you see what I'm saying? It's these like little nuances that don't Mm -hmm. compromise who he is, don't compromise where he's going, but he can, he can bang up against walls all the time, or he can finesse this a little bit and ultimately get where he needs to get, which is going to serve a lot of people especially children. His message was all about children. So it was wonderful. And we do that as women. I think naturally we know how to compromise, right? We know how to hold back. Well, we don't want to do that Mm. unless we're choosing to. If we're consciously doing it because the end game or the end state requires us to maybe finesse something, then I I don't not support that. It's interesting because I was actually just watching the new Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix, which I don't know if you have caught yet, but it's a masterclass in personal branding um, in, in really what you would call celebrity branding. And one thing she said really stood out to me, which was, if you are too thoughtful in how you portray yourself, sometimes it backfires as being seen as calculating. Or is that you're too self-promotional? So what is the balance like when you're being thoughtful and you're making conscious choices about adaptations or how to sort of massage your message a little bit to make your audience, you know, come with you where you want them to go versus feeling phony or appearing phony? Like where does authenticity play when it comes to personal branding? Well, I think authenticity is at the heart of all of us. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say this is not celebrity branding. This isn't packaging to put somebody on stage. Um, personally, I don't work with politicians or celebrities. And I made that choice many years ago because I like to work with real people who are in real situations and we're not worried about you know, camera angles and, and things like that. Um, and it's not about spin. It's about real people saying, I have a limited amount of time on this earth how do I make sure I'm working towards a legacy that I'm going to be proud of? Mm. I think she's right. But I use the example sometimes when I teach elevator pitch, right? How do you communicate to somebody you've just met? If you're authentically feeling like crap and you've had the worst day and you are just ready to go and scream from the top of the buildings and your ideal client walks into the elevator with you, (sighs) Are you going to be authentic and let them know just exactly how bad a day you've had? (laughs) Probably not, right? So we know how to do that. And it isn't because Mm. we're not being authentic, but we see an opportunity and we say, huh, I definitely have a choice here because you could be authentic. And maybe that would build some rapport. I don't know. But we also know that sometimes there's a time and a place and maybe reserving some of that anxiety or frustration or whatever's going on at work and having a really good conversation serves you better. Mm. I don't see anything wrong with that. That's my my philosophy, but I believe, especially when it comes to social media, yeah. you have to be authentic. You have to. Totally. You don't have to tell me everything, 
but what you tell me should be true. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I don't want to hear about every rash. Um, But I do want to know if something makes you happy or makes you sad and then tell me why, Um, because that makes you a real person and we want real people. Yeah. And I think people respond to that in job interviews, right? People are hiring and they're interviewing dozens of folks for this one open spot. So your interview is such an opportunity to tell a compelling story, to establish a brand by you know evoking certain feelings. And I wonder when thinking specifically about folks who are interviewing for a stretch position, because that's where a lot of my audience is right now. They're looking at this job opportunity and feeling like, oh man, this would be the best job ever, but I feel like it would be a stretch for me. I'm not sure. I don't have a thousand percent confidence that I have everything that it takes to get this job, but I'm going for it anyway. What tips would you have them keep in mind for establishing confidence and charisma in that interview? and really evoking the right feelings about what you can deliver for that person as an employer, you know, or as a prospective employee? I love that question because we come across that whether we're looking for a job or not, right? Mm. Positions, opportunities that really stretch us. You know, I have, I have three thoughts around that. First is to identify if the feelings that you're having are fear or discomfort, mm. right? A stretch position, is it fear that this is, this is dangerous this is putting me in a position that's not safe or I feel threatened, that's something to pay attention to. Or is it discomfort that I'm being stretched, right? Like when we start exercising and we all of a sudden have all this discomfort because <laughs> these muscles haven't, haven't been worked that way, right. right? We can fear that we're hurting ourselves or we can recognize that, no, this is what happens if you don't exercise for two years and <laughs> you start lifting weights. So recognizing that there's a difference, right? And, and I've had some clients that, I've taken on, and I've had to ask myself that because there was something about the engagement that that scared me. And I wasn't sure if it's because it was that I was going down a dangerous path or was I being leveled up? Was this, was this going to be an opportunity that I was really going to be forced to stretch myself? And when I'm clear on that, I love the opportunity to stretch myself, but I don't want to go into something that's dangerous. The second thing I think in something like that is to, is to not apologize if you've made the decision that you're going to pursue something that is an elevation, that is a leveling up of where you are and where you want to be, and you're clear about what you bring to the opportunity that's valuable, compelling and relevant to that target audience, don't apologize for it. Right. There's something about confidence, and you use the word charisma, but I actually think confidence is much more attractive than charisma. Confidence is such a grounding feeling. And, and I can tell when my audiences, for instance, feel confident in the message or my clients feel confident going into that situation versus they're trying to convince themselves right. they're confident. So I wouldn't apologize. If you were there in that opportunity because you're the right person, mm. own that, wear it, and let that be your Wonder Woman cape, right? right? I talk a bit about the difference in my book between calm confidence, that sort of deep inner feeling of inevitability. Like this is the work I am meant to do, or this is the Mm -hmm. impact I am confident I could have here. Or, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I have confidence in my ability to figure it out. That kind of 
inner calmness that sometimes feels like <laughs> confidence versus bravado, right? That chest pounding, I can do anything. I have no weaknesses. I have no vulnerabilities, which is so off-putting to folks. That's not what we're advocating. It's like the 70s, you know, TV character who just was so obnoxious and the last track supported yeah. that. I mean, that's not what we're working yeah. towards. But I would say the third thing to think about in that situation is attacking the opportunity in terms of what problem are you solving? Mm. So when, when we're leveling up our career or leveling up an opportunity or pursuing something outside of our comfort zone, I always think about what is the problem that that person or that community or that company needs solved and not just, well, they need to hire a director of marketing. No, that's not the problem they need solved. There's something endemic to the arrangement that they're seeking someone at a leadership level to come in and resolve. Identify the nuts and bolts, the functional, but also the emotional. Are there leadership challenges? Is this, is there an optics problem? Have those three marketing directors been miserable? What's the problem they need solved? And then what is the value to the organization or company if you solve mm. that problem? So if you build the team, well, that means retention will go up. If you create new marketing campaigns, well, that means sales drive, you know, goes up. If you help position them as an industry leader, what's the value of solving that problem? And then finally, what is right. that worth to them? And that's often, I saw some of your other messages and, and podcasts were talking about understanding your worth and negotiating salary. If you don't know what the problem is and you don't know what the value to them of solving it is, you can't price yourself. And similarly, if you're interviewing and they, the organization, don't know what the problem is, that's a big red flag. It sounds familiar to me because this is how I work with organizations and companies who bring me in to work with their sales teams or work with their organizational leadership overall, talking about gender inclusion, talking about empowering women. If they can't communicate clearly what our shared objectives are, and if I can't echo that back to them, it's a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> because sometimes people are hiring for reasons other than solving the problem at hand, and that it puts you in a very bad position. It puts you in a position to feel not set up for success. And that is a hollow victory. So for job seekers out there, it's so important what you're saying here, Lita, to make sure you have a clear sense of what the problem is they're hiring you to solve so that you are clear on how you will be measured. And then, of course, you can price yourself based on figuring out what that solution is worth to the organization. That's a really key point. I'll give you another example. So one of the things I do is reputation repair. And unfortunately, it's getting to be more popular because people make mistakes and then their careers are ended. Also, I just think of you as Olivia Pope, by the way. You're like, that's my... Uh... You know, and I've been, <laughs> I've been compared to that, except I certainly do not use her tactics. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, if you think about it, if somebody's career has ended... What's the, what's the problem that needs to be solved? Well, they're in their 40s and they still wanted to work. Right. What's, the, what's the value of that, right? And I could, if I really wanted to push it, like charge astronomical fees, but that's not my style, right? I help manage them through that process and get to a better place. But that's a perfect example of what is that lost income over the next 20 years? What's the value of solving that problem to them? Mm -hmm. Interesting. I wish candidates would go into job opportunities 
opportunities asking that. Yeah. Because I think it just it just levels up the conversation and it makes the like you said, the employer really think about it in those terms. And I think smart teams hire that way, but it's not every day. Speaking of reputational management, where does personal brand mix with networking and mix with marketing? You spoke at the very top of our interview about marketing is different, right? That's the coupon codes. That's the offers that you put out there. But as a job seeker, how much of your personal brand is really up to you versus what is the communal component in terms of how other people talk about you? And how do you think about managing your personal brand if it involves all these other stakeholders? Well, but that's the good news, right? So personal brand is what you're driving. Reputation is what other people perceive you for, right? So it starts with the brand and there's a lot of steps that go into uncovering, unpeeling, you know, understanding who you are, what you value and what you want. But then the packaging, if you will, or the promotion part is where the marketing comes in. So in, in all the workshops I teach and all the work I do, I don't get to talking about social media or image or body language or networking before we've done personal branding, because otherwise I look like any social media person up there. Right. So the branding really drives what social media platform should I be on? How should I dress? What people should I associate with? How would I introduce myself in an elevator pitch? What should my LinkedIn look like? All Mm. of those questions get answered when you have a vision for the brand you're going to drive. And it sounds like a lot of work, but here's the best part. Everything becomes easier when you have a vision, when you have a strategy, when you have a goal. Mm. And every client has told me this is like exhausting work in the front end. Yeah. But then it's almost like you're on autopilot. Because you know, wait, I shouldn't post that on LinkedIn. That wouldn't reflect positively on my value of X. Or, wow, I'm going to go to that event and I'm going to meet four people because being seen there is going to help elevate my brand of X. It just makes everything easy. Yeah. And tell me more about values alignment because it sounds like almost what you're saying is your personal brand should be clear about what you stand for and then everything else should just align with that. Is that what I'm hearing? Very much so. So one of the earliest exercises that we do is all around values. And there's so much talk right now about values. And maybe it's because we're in a political cycle. I don't know. Everybody's talking about values. But the only way to build a brand for either a company or an individual that has credibility, that is trustworthy, is to articulate your values and walk the talk. Mm -hmm. So the formula is actually values plus action equals credibility. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time talking about that because what happens when I ask somebody to tell me about your values is I hear either the values your parents taught you and instilled in you. I do a lot of work with military veterans. So I hear a lot about military values or corporate values. And I have to look at them and say, No, I'm asking about your values. Mm -hmm. What is so core to your moral fiber and your moral operating system that if it wasn't there, you wouldn't be you. Mm. And that's when people go, oh, (laughs) it gets a little harder. (laughs) But it's so awesome because they'll they'll throw out something like um, honesty. I really value honesty. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Well, that means I expect you to be honest and I will always be honest. Okay. What does that mean? And the more you pick at it, you're like, okay, so maybe it isn't honesty. Maybe it's 
candor, maybe it's transparent. And I happen to be really good with words. So I, I help them through that. Yeah. But when they find those three to five values that they say, those values have to be present in any relationship, in any conversation, in any job, in any community, then when they have that set of values and it can match action to it, right? So the action says, I'll walk the talk. If I tell you I stand for this, you will see proof of it. Right. That's how we build a brand. That's where credibility comes in. Definitely. And I think there's something audacious for job seekers to think about here in that you have to be the driver of that foundation first. I often hear that job seekers on the interview circuit kind of feel like it's on the dating circuit as well, where we're just trying to get other people to like us and trying to make sure that they see how our values align with theirs. And it's sort of a flipped piece of advice, but it's really important to make sure your values are clear first and make sure that you're interviewing the companies that are interviewing you just as much to make sure that there's alignment there. Otherwise, we set ourselves up to be on the job search again in a year. You know, and so there's something audacious about that and and takes a sense of deep, calm confidence, right? Confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But imagine if you do go through life being able to clearly identify opportunities and relationships and situations that align with your values, what it does, and, and yes, on the front end, it's a little, it's a little wonky and it feels a little uncomfortable. But all of a sudden, it's like everything parts and what you're supposed to find reveals itself so obviously, right? This company, of course, I should work for this company. Look at what they're doing in the world. Look at who they're serving. Look at the kinds of things that they're laying awake thinking about at night. That's what I'm doing, too. And all the noise of all the, all the, the, the spin stuff that's out there starts falling away. And that is exactly what therapy did for my dating life about a decade ago. <laughs> it was like, oh, of course I shouldn't be dating you anymore. Thank you, <laughs> therapy, for clarifying that for me. No, no I love that point. And, and I think what you're saying is there's some upfront discomfort. There's some upfront investment of effort and time and energy. But clarifying your values and, and establishing your brand around that can make the rest a lot easier. I love that, Lita. It just makes life so much more real, so much more tactical. And and just the clients that I've worked with or the audiences I've taken through this, they all just say, it's like, it makes it so much easier to be me because all that, all the magazines and the stories and the video, everything that we're taught Mm. gets so jumbled. But if you can filter it through what you're really here for, Mm-hmm. It just it just becomes so clear, and people just start calming down. So there's a little anxiety at the beginning, yeah. but everybody just kind of calms down because you know this isn't this isn't a dress rehearsal. We're all on the same merry-go-round, mm-hmm. and at the end, we're all going to get off the merry-go-round. So what is it going to mean? And that job that somebody's pursuing, be really clear about why you want that mm-hmm. job. You know, is and if you if you're afraid to go up and you're afraid to stretch for more, is it fear or is it discomfort? I love it, Lita. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your time and talents with us today. Where can my listeners keep up with you? Well, certainly on my website, which is lita360.com. But I'll give them another opportunity, which I think might 
for your group be really awesome. Hmm. I have eight courses on LinkedIn learning all about this topic, personal brand on, you know, conversation, interviewing, and LinkedIn learning is an amazing place uh, to learn. But I also, uh, my eight courses, I think would be really valuable for your audience. Even if they're jobs, recent job grads, I've got courses for that on there too. Awesome. I was just checking out your course stock there on LinkedIn, because actually for our listeners, a little bit of background, you and I both live in Denver and have yet to actually meet here (laughs) because we keep running into each other at the same conferences. And when I got my first LinkedIn course booked, you said to me, oh, you're headed to Carpinteria and you're going to see all these people. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I had not been, but you, you were shepherding me into the LinkedIn learning family. And I really appreciate that. So. Isn't it amazing? It's so it's amazing. Wonderful. I'll link to your courses. Cause I, I th- agree completely. Our listeners would love to check those out. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. To learn more, check out Lita's website at Lita360. That's L-I-D-A 360.com. And now, in honor of our 200th episode, we have a very special segment celebrating your boss moves since the very beginning of this podcast. So let's take a look back at some highlights from your boss move of the week for the past 200 episodes. So my name is Megan, and I'm calling from Edinburgh, Scotland, my current home, although I am originally from North Carolina. Hi, Emily and bosses. This is Marie Colley. Hi, this is Angie from Sonoma County, California. Hi, my name is Kaylee, and I'm from Atlanta. Hey, bosses. My name's Mackenzie. I'm calling from Providence, Rhode Island. Hey, Emily. Hey, bosses. This is Rachel calling from St. Paul, Minnesota. My boss move this week was accepting a face-to-face interview back in the U.S. I'm a resident in a rural community. I ended up dealing with this year, a sexual harassment case at work, and then also being involved with the firing and letting go of both of my attendings, and then also being instrumental in replacing them with people who would actually be able to appropriately address and teach the rest of my cohort. I received a promotion, a raise, and a bonus. This is only my second year at my current job, and during my review, I stepped out of my comfort zone and directly asked for more than the standard living wage increase and also asked for a promotion, which made me super nervous, but I figured the worst they could do was say no. I was at a conference earlier this year and ended up handing out my business card to a few people, and I connected with someone who hired me to help them run some paid media I didn't have a whole lot of experience with it, so I was pretty nervous. I was still learning, but it was something that I really wanted to do. And we both kind of took a leap of faith, and I'm really excited to say that it's been going really, really well. I returned to grad school, and after the first semester and some financial planning, I decided that it was the perfect time for me to take a year leave from my program in order to complete my yoga teacher training certification, and also to prove to myself that I could make it as a freelance writer. Very recently in my life, an executive director position came open in an organization that I'm really passionate about. And even though I felt like a huge fraud, I decided to apply, and that just felt like a really gutsy move all on its own. But then even more, while I did not move forward in the interviewing process, I'm really surprised 
to discover that I'm okay with it. Honestly, feeling like a failure makes me feel really amazing. Honestly, I am just overcome with pride for all of you, for each and every one of you who has leveled up in your career over the past 200 episodes, who has inspired countless other listeners by calling it in and making your voice heard and actually reveling in yourself for a moment. It's such a powerful position to put yourself in by speaking proudly of yourself publicly, which is something that we have been taught since the very beginning of time not to do. Together, we're changing that narrative here on this podcast. Together as a community, We are celebrating ourselves without shame, with pride. And in doing so, we're telling other women and little girls and boys out there who are looking to you, this is what it means to be a boss. So congratulations, each and every one of you. If you've got a boss move to share that you'd like featured on the podcast next, call it in. I love hearing your voice here. It adds such vocal diversity to the end of our show each week. And you can reach the podcast voicemail easily at 910-668-BOSS or 2677, or you can always record a voice memo and email it in at info at Thank you to each and every one of you as listeners for making this show what it is. Don't forget to take part in the 200 episode giveaway by sharing your favorite episode from among the past 200 shows we've done on social media. Tag me, Emily Aries, or at BossedUpORG. And if you do so before next Tuesday's episode comes out, you are automatically entered to win a free copy of my book and some other exciting bossed up swag. All right, y'all, you know what I'm about to say. Let's keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.